Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to be together, to gather, to sing your praises and hear your word. Open our eyes to the scripture this morning. Lord, help us to see what it means to do good. Help us to recognize the part we play in the work you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of Titus 2. I'm just curious, are there any older men here this morning? Any younger men? Uh, There's a lot more people willing to raise their hand for that. Any older women? Younger women? (laughs) Yeah, that's dangerous. Paul tells Titus what needs to be taught. And this is a spoiler alert. He says, just do good. And from a guy who has lived his life with the mantra, C's get degrees, this hit really close to home for me. But I want, I want you to hear what Paul tells Titus to teach his church, to just do good. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger woman to, the women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, be pure, be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and sound of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subjects to their masters in everything, to try and please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they may make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation for all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live the self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These things then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. 
May God add his blessing to the reading of this morning's scripture as we prepare our hearts to sit around the table. So I still see some little kids. Are they supposed to go out today? Have at it, kids. Run. Run like you've never run before. How can you not like that sound? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so tell me what's good. Oh wait, I want to stop one one side note. Side note. Did you did you like the countdown timer? You ever feel like maybe uh you don't add up or that you don't match up or that you are maybe the last one picked and maybe you don't measure up I thought that was a great video <laughs> they picked the mailbox over Jeremy poor Jeremy <laughs> Ebola virus yeah so tell me what's good this morning being here what does God consider good? What's our... What's that? Your praises to Him, yes. The rain, yeah. I was thinking about telling Ivy, be careful. It's gonna, if it rains from now until next week when she goes, that mark might be floating. What did you hear in the passage that was good? Self-control, that shows up a bunch of times in there. Brian, what'd you hear? Encouragement. Encouragement. All right. What else is good? Order. Order. The grace of God. What's it mean to do good? Okay. How about in this passage? What what did they tell the old men? How to do good? What did do good look for the like for the old men? What's that? Train them up, right? And how about the older women? <laughs> lay out the <laughs> lay out the wine and <laughs> and loose talking, right? The slander. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yes. What did you say, Ken? I missed it. I was, I was too busy laughing. Encourage the younger women, right? And younger women, what are, we, what are we to do? What is good? That's right. Raise your children. Run your household. And younger men, what, is, what did, what did uh, Paul tell Titus about them? Control yourself. Interesting that younger men, that's the, the first thing he says is be self-controlled and then do similar, sim- similarly as the younger women. A lot of times when we look at good, we ask ourselves, is, is it just the opposite of bad? Is good just the opposite of bad? Is doing good 
the opposite of bad? What's that? It's more, yes, it's more. It's more difficult. It's more difficult, exactly. I made, I made light of getting C's. Did anybody, anybody else have C averages? Kristen's smiling because she gives out C averages. <laughs> I used to, my parents aren't here, so maybe they'll be in second service. I won't be able to tell this story in second. I used to take my D's when we, when I, I was of the age where they were sending your adult or your high school uh, report cards home, but they were trans, they were pushed through with like black. And so they were really kind of fuzzy. And so you could take a D if you were really good and you could put a nice little line in there and make it look like a B. And that kept me out of trouble, out of being grounded for a couple semesters. Uh, <laughs> it didn't end up working long term, but it, it did help on the short term because I knew what would happen. See, I was allowed to have, I think, I, I don't know, my parents would be able to tell you better. I was allowed to have like one bad grade, but if you had too many bad grades, that's when you got in trouble. So like I know. <laughs> I had tried a little. <laughs> What's that? Correct, yeah. <laughs> but in our faith, what does it look like to get a C? What's average? What is it to be average in our faith? Is it? That's, a, that's an interesting that you both said that. Being lukewarm is being lu- is a C average in our faith lukewarm. See, I think Paul is being very intentional to Titus when he's talking. So Paul is writing this letter to Titus for one reason to tell him how to get things rolling, how to make this church uh, roll run, and teaching him the very basics of what it means to be a people of faith. And in this passage, he says three times, just do good. In some ways, Paul's saying, just do a C average. Just do the right thing. Just do what's right. And here's what my struggle, as I read this, I thought a lot about all these great programs. There is no lack of great programs to read the Bible in a year. There's no great, there's all these great programs online. We are in a place today that is we have never seen before. If you want to find any version, Brentley was showing us last week a little bit about versions of scripture. You can find anything at the end of your fingertips. It's here. There's no shortage of Bible studies online, Zoom, uh, Go on your own. There's just so many different options. There's so much out there. And yet I ask myself this question. Are we more faithful today than we were in prior years? If we go back 100 years, or 500 years, or 1,000 years, are we as a people overall more faith-filled sold-out believers than the groups before us. It's pretty quiet. I don't think we have to... I, don't, I think we just do. 
if I ask myself this question, what does it look like in the world overall? I'm challenged to see that we are stronger in our faith as a uh, group of people than we have ever been. That's a tough sell for me. If you think I'm, if you think I'm, I'm more than willing to listen to some feedback on that piece. I think the world's spiraling out of control. Does that mean God's not in control? No, I don't believe that at all. But I think God's people and people in general have turned their back on God. And Scripture tells us about the end times, what it will look like. Things will be upside down and backwards and inside out. Right will be wrong. And I look, and it doesn't take me very long to watch what's going on in this world to realize that there's a lot of that going on. And so I ask myself this question, what are the basics of my faith? What are the basics of what he tells older men to do for younger men? He says, be worthy of respect, be self-controlled, be sound in your faith and in love and in endurance. Be temperate. I can't help but think that this is what Paul is telling Titus to teach them. To offer grace. See, I think we have all these great ideas, these great, all this knowledge. In fact, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, there is no end to this knowledge. But I wonder how often we forget to give others grace. I wonder how often in our own house we forget to give others grace. In our families, we forget to give others grace. Perfect example. When someone pulls out in front of me, and I know it's not any of you guys that do this. I realize that. I am the only one. When someone pulls out in front of me, my first thought is that person is obviously an idiot and they're on their phone, they're not paying attention, they don't know how to drive, and they're probably a hundred, right? And I got all those things, and then, and then I think, oh, if I only had a machine gun on the front of my car, right? I could take out their tires and go around them, right? Here's the funny part, though. If I pull out in front of somebody, <laughs> what do I say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? The very exact same act that I, I am more than willing to not offer grace, I expect someone on the other side to offer me grace. And we laugh because we know we do that. And Paul is imploring Titus to explain to them, to teach to them a very basic understanding of it, of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're reminded. It's by grace you have been saved. It's the very nature of our faith. It's where it begins. It's not ours. It was a gift given to us by God. Why? So that no one can boast. 
We ought to be walking around this world saying, I am a sinner saved by grace. And we ought to be offering that to those we come in contact with. Offering grace. And all too often, it's easy to not offer grace, to be offended, to, be, to choose to be mad, to choose to be frustrated, to choose anger and resentment. When we were saved by the same grace that is offered to the others. It says, women teach, live reverently in God, not to slanders, don't be drunks, teaching what is good. Self-control, right? That's really what he's saying. Teach the women self to be, uh, to be in control of their lives. And I can't help but think about the words that we speak. That slander piece shows up in, in, in the women's. It doesn't show up in the men's. That doesn't mean that men don't do that. But I, I think there's, there's a reminder in there that slander is something we're capable of. And that words have power. You wouldn't believe how often I talk to people whose kids... They say, my kids are bad. They don't, they don't, they, they act up. They don't do the right thing. They don't. And in the same words, the same comment, the same discussion, I hear things about these kids' personalities that mom and dad have said about them. I don't know why he acts like this, but he is different. And the rest of my family's crazy, and he's probably just like them. Ouch. Ouch. Our words have power. And I wonder how often we say something long before we think about what we need to say. It comes out, it spills out. And there's so much hurt and poison. Proverbs 18.21 says, Words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. They're either poison or their fruit. You get to choose. Which one will you choose? It says, young women, young men, love your family. Be self-controlled. Be pure. Be busy at home and kind. Young men, be self-controlled. And everything else is similar to young women. Stay pure. Be busy. Be kind. There's something to be heard in there, young people. There's a time and a season. A time and a season for everything. And I'll be the first to admit that I learned the hard way. 
that working too many hours when my kids were little was not healthy for them. That was not the best decision I could make. You know what I did? I would work 60, 70 hours a week, and then I would feel so guilty that I would take the extra money that we made, and I would spend it on them, thinking, well, that'll even this thing out. Realizing later on that I don't have a ton of memories when my kids were little. I have some, but I'm willing to bet there's some I missed, whether I was sleeping, tired, or working, whatever it was. There's value in raising our family. There's value in understanding that this is a limited time. All too often I hear, well, I'll, I'll do it next week. Or maybe we'll catch you the next time. Or may-. And then all of a sudden, holy cow, they're graduating. We just did senior banquet. And it's like, holy cow, they're graduating. They're all grown up. They're about to move out. They're about to do their own life. We jokingly said when Hannah graduated, we're going to take one more family vacation. And we went to Maine with all our kids. And it sounded like a joke. Until it was the truth. Right? It sounded like a joke. Like, oh, it's not, that's really not going to happen. She just turned 30. She'll turn 32 this month. She was 18. So, but due to statistics, there's a good chance we probably won't do family vacation. Again, like that. It's way too easy to just put it off, put it off, put it off. You have people with children. You have a limited time. A limited time to raise them in the faith, to teach them the faith, to grow with them in the faith. Don't minimize that time. Don't be too busy with this or that. Those little guys that just ran out that door, tomorrow they're going to be all graduating. Right? We think, no way. Blink. Blink and you'll find out. There'll be new little kids, but it won't be the same little kids. Don't miss your opportunity to just do good. In God's eyes. Do good. He says, be a good example. Titus 2 7, he says, everything, in everything, set a good example by doing what is good. This whole sermon came up for one reason. I asked in a Wednesday night group, there were I think 19 that night. 19 people came on a Wednesday night. I love them to death. It's a great group of people. I encourage you that if you're not involved on Wednesday night, uh, to take a chance. We start at 7. To be involved. Topic is all over the place. You never know what you might hear. All you need is your Bible. But I asked a question about a month ago. And I was almost shocked. And the question I asked was, does anyone in this group have an accountability partner? Does anyone 
in this group have someone they can count on to discuss and challenge their faith. Out of 19, we're just going to say 20, just for fun, for funsies. And if you're here Wednesday, you're not allowed to answer. Uh, but I'm curious if anybody who would have any idea how many people had accountability for their faith. Anybody, any suggestions? Kenny, what do you think? Two. Ken, you're only twice as high as it should have been. One. One. Of course, then we begin to justify or talk about, like, what does that mean to have accountability, right? What does that mean? Here's the reality. All too often, we're islands. We're islands in our life. We think that if I, I can do this, that, the other thing, and if I don't have any accountability to only God, that I can do whatever I want. We don't have accountability to anyone else in this world. Now, some of us have accountability to our spouses, and that came up a little bit. But I'm talking about someone that you can... There are some things I don't tell my wife. Right? There are some things that she doesn't understand because she's not a man. There are some things that I don't understand because she's a woman. There's probably some things I don't want to understand. Right? <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> That's probably true too. Let me challenge you and ask you the question. Do you have anyone you're accountable to? Or that's accountable to you? Anyone that you feel safe to talk about your faith with, to be honest and real, to, to know that you won't be judged for what you say. Somewhere where you can let down and let go of the struggles of this life. I'll be completely honest, I was disappointed in that that number. And this scripture reminds me, we have a responsibility. Old men teach the younger men. Older women teach the younger women. None of us are free from that. Younger men look for older men for that connection. Younger women look for older women for that connection. There's so much to be offered, both sides, both directions. And I'll ask, are we missing that in our life? Are we missing that part in our life? Do we not have anywhere to go? Scripture tells us iron sharpens iron. That having the opportunity to share an idea or a thought or to challenge a scripture or to be challenged by a scripture, to be challenged by an idea that how am I doing this? Am I raising up my kids the right way? Am I looking the wrong direction? Are these things not helpful for my walk of faith? Paul tells Titus, why are we doing good? This is why we're doing good. For the salvation of all people. He says that in verse 11. 
For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And so we can say no thank you to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Why do we do good? We do good because it allows us to live the life God has put out in front of us. I think all too often we think we can figure it out on our own. That we come to faith, we get our fire insurance, and then we're like, I can do this, I can do the rest. And God forbid I would have a silly question that maybe I don't know the answer to. I wouldn't want to ask that question. People will think I don't know the Bible inside out and upside down. Paul tells Titus, listen, you're going to be able to live the life that God has put in front of you by just doing good, by just getting a C. You'll be able to say no thank you to ungodliness and worldly passions. You'll be able to live a life of self-control, to live upright, in a godly life. More than ever, I'm convinced of one thing. It's what we invest our time in that brings the most fruit. It's where we put our time and energy that brings the best return. If the only time you carry your Bible and or open it is Sunday morning at 8.35 or 40, that's the return you'll get. If that baby is all wore out and trashed and torn up and uh, pages are missing, papers ripped, and it's been used, It speaks volumes. The challenge, church, is where, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? Where are we going to invest our time? Are we going to invest our time in the things of God? Or are we going to invest the, our time in the things of man? Time is short. Time is short. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us that doing good is the desire you have for our hearts. We thank you for Jesus who went to the cross, who gave us salvation for all people, all those who will call upon your name. Lord, we ask this morning for opportunities to build relationships, to build accountability. Lord, we look to those who we are in connections with, in faith with, to offer, Lord, what you have given us as gifts. May we be the people you have called us to be. May we use the time 
you have given us wisely. Thank you for Paul's word to Titus that we might live life the way you have created it for us. In your name we pray.